Welcome back to another Future Socks video series interview. And as you can see, uh, my guest here today is Chuck Garfine. Chuck has done uh, several interviews with me, but uh, Chuck, we've got a, a new baseball season. We saw a season last year, like, you know, unlike any other that we've seen, and the White Sox seem to be primed to make a run at the AL Central Crown uh, this season. And a lot of that's going to start with some of these guys and what we're going to talk about here at first, some of these prospects. Uh, first of all, thanks for joining me today. Hey, it is uh, great to be with you. Great talking socks as always. And a uh, nice hat. I like your hat. Thank you very much. It, That's uh, like you got a little like old school. Like a, it was like a spring training one from a couple years ago. Yeah, I didn't know they actually did that spring training hat. That is because yeah. you got the 83 theme and it's the spring. You, you're, it's a hybrid of two great eras. It's right. the current spring training hat and the old school 83 uh, theme. So that's good. I like it. Those Sunday jerseys are always awesome. Uh, yeah. Everywhere. Um, yeah. So let, let's get right into it. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Andrew Vaughn, um, a guy who I spoke with um, last month, kind of interviewed him, I've interviewed him a couple times and we've kind of talked and stuff. But I, the biggest thing for White Sox fans is, is, you know, they didn't sign, you know, no Nelson Cruz, no Marcelo Zuna, and, you know, none of those guys that could have potentially stepped in day one in that DH role. So does that lead you to believe the Sox think Andrew Vaughn is very, very close to filling that DH role? If you read between the lines, the answer is yes. And I think the Sox were kind of putting this, I don't want to say they were in a pickle, but they're trying to win. And when you're trying to win, you want to look at every single position on the field and get the most out of it. You have a guy in Andrew Vaughn who, I really believe is going to be a great hitter in the majors, but will he be a great hitter in 2021? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if anybody knows if there was a season last year, I think you'd have a better idea. I mean, for him, I'm saying like he was now in the minor league. So there's just a big question mark about him. More of a question mark for us because we haven't seen him play, you know? So the White Sox are, uh, have been, you know, they watched him in the alternate site. They have a much better idea of what he can do. But then again, yes, he has to go out and play. So, you know, they, I, I, if it was me, I was, I was saying this a lot, like, hey, Nelson Cruz, bring it on. Michael Brantley, bring it on. Because we know, we know what those guys can do. What can Andrew Vaughn do in 2021? I don't know. But clearly the White Sox... I shouldn't say clearly, but it seems like the White Sox have an idea of what they're going to get from Vaughn. And, and the good thing is that it's not like he's going to have to carry this offense. You know, when Abreu came here, when Moncada came here, when he was a rookie, like they needed to like carry some of the load, a big part of the load. He's going to be batting like seventh, maybe. And a lot of the pressure will be off of him because his offense is so good. So I, I do think like he will be given every opportunity in spring training to be the DH to start the year. He does have a very polished bat. It's just that, you know, here's a guy, we keep saying it, he's never played above high A and he's going to make a big jump. What kind of jump is he going to make in terms of like what he can do on the field? We're going to find out. We saw him a little bit at third base uh, in, in Schaumburg. We saw him a little bit in the out, you know, whatever, but obviously his, his main spot is first base. You know, he, you know, he told me that he did play at the infield, you know, growing up, and then he kind of uh, moved over to first base. But obviously, the, the first base position seems to be his. Eventually, I mean, obviously, we've got we still have Jose Abreu. He's uh, MVP last year, so it's not like we're, we're talking about Adam Dunn over at first base or something mm -hmm. like that, a guy that needs to be replaced right away. 
Uh, Andrew Vaughn, you know, is, is a guy that, and like you said, he doesn't need to hit three, four, five in this lineup. So I think a lot of that, even, I guess, even if he is not, I don't, maybe not a hundred percent ready, you know, 90% ready in that seven, eight spot, I think is going to do wonders for this lineup. A couple of things stood out for me last year. First spring training um, in spring training, they sent over a, uh, a, a lineup, a, a team, you say a B team of guys to play the angels. And a lot of the big names weren't there, but who was batting third in that lineup? It was Andrew Vaughn. The spring training part two, 2.0, intra-squad games. Giolito's on the mound, and who was giving him fits? It was Vaughn. Yeah. Andrew Vaughn was. So uh, all the signs are there that he's going to be a, a good hitter. Are there going to be some growing pains? Probably. So, you know, that's we're going to see what happens with him. But I, um, I see where the White Sox are coming from and give them the opportunity to succeed. Listen, great teams have rookies in him. You know, rookies play on great teams. And this might be the scenario we have with Andrew Vaughn. We saw the Braves last year towards the end of the season. Christian, Christian Pache got some time in center field. I mean, that's just one that, that comes to the top of mind. And uh, the Braves had a pretty good season last year. I mean, obviously, a lot of talent around them, just like the White Sox. Uh, one other thing with Vaughn, and then we'll get to Kopech. You mentioned in the um, in one of the inter-squad games. So I was there uh, taking pictures at one of those games. And I think Gio, was, Gio, uh, Gio Gonzalez was on the mound. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it was like ball four to Vaughn or something, but they needed him to get some extra pitches in. So I think maybe it was Yerman or Zach, whoever came out and talked to him uh, on the mound. And they're like, okay, let's throw some more pitches. And the next pitch, Vaughn hit one oppo out of to right center field over the fence. And it was just like, it was, it was just pretty cool to see, you know, a guy like Gonzalez who's been around in the majors, a bona fide major league pitcher, obviously doesn't have what he did before, whatever. But still, a guy that knows how to get people out. And then you've got Andrew Vaughn up here, and then he takes some deep oppo, and it was, just, it was just pretty cool to see. Yeah, I think Vaughn is the kind of hitter where he will make you pay if you make mistakes. He's got really good plate discipline, uh, plate awareness, has a plan. He's just polished. He's not your typical rookie. I just keep going back to the fact that he did not play in any games last year. So it's just like, wow, like this is a whole unique situation. But uh, I will be watching him very uh, with, with a lot of curiosity in 2021 for sure. The next guy is Michael Kopech, um, a guy that, you know, I spent 2018 in North Carolina. So I got to know Michael a lot, you know, when he was with the, the Knights. And, and that's been three years now. And like, you know, and he, and he pitched a little and then obviously got hurt. But like, what, what, do, what do we... What do we make of Michael? I mean, all of the off the field stuff, it's just, it's just been a whirlwind of the guy who's got all the talent in the world and the Sox, you know, I mean, they're going to need him at some point. They're going to need him, you know, if they want to win this world series without, without signing another pitcher or trading for them, they're going to need Michael Kopech at, at some point to produce. What, what do we, what do we know about Kopech kind of, do you, do you know anything about him right now? Well, here's what I do know is that basically Every team in the major leagues would love to be in the White Sox situation where they could have Michael Kopech as their number five starter in 2021. Every single team, pretty sure, would take that deal right now. What is he going to be in 2021? I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that I know what's inside him. I know what he wants to be. I know he... Uh, has had some valleys in his life professionally 
personally. And after what he's gone through, I don't think that he, he is probably so raring to go and so ready. I mean, think about this. He finally gets on the mound in a spring training game last spring, pitches one inning, strikes out three. It is, he's back on the mountaintop, so to speak. And then the whole world shuts down with the pandemic. I mean, you know, he is, uh, I, I'm going to think he, I think we all have uh, found a new perspective about life because of this. I think he's even more so smelling the roses, breathing in the air and appreciating everything that this season is going to bring to him because he's had it all taken away from him. I mean, you and I, we've had basically our lives and everybody, you know, watching or listening to this, we've had our lives kind of upended for the last year. Uh, Kopech's had that for about three. <laughs> so um, I think his body's is not going to be ready for a full season. There's just no way, even someone like himself. And even if, and even if his body was ready, I, I think the White Sox would slow play it just because like, you don't want right. to, you know, push it too much. Cause it's not just about Michael Kopech in 2021. It's, you know, the years after that. So what are we going to get from him? I don't know, but I, I I'd like to think, what we started to see again last spring when he came and had that one inning, I think we're going to see more of that. It goes with, it kind of goes with, with the Andrew Vaughn situation. The Sox don't need Michael Kopech to be their number two or three starter. Yeah. You know, and I think that's another, you mentioned slow playing it. You've got, obviously you've got Giolito and you've got Keiko and you've got Lance Lynn as your one, two, three, whatever word you want to do. That's, that doesn't, that's not the point, but then you've got Cease, you've got Lopez back Rodon. I mean, you've got guys that can fill that four or five spot for now um, until Kopech is ready. And then, you know, bringing in Ethan Katz, I mean, that, that kind of helps with, with the, you'd like to think it'll help with Lopez and Cease to take even more pressure off of what they're going to need uh, from Michael Kopech. So what you're, I don't put words in your mouth, but what you're kind of saying, what you're thinking is that he will start the season in the minors. Um, I mean, I don't, I have no idea. Right. I just really like, don't. I mean, just from what, kind of what you think from the timeline. Yeah. It, it, it just feels that way. But, you know, the thing about the minors, this is why I'm having, I'm kind of yeah. thinking about this and hesitating a little bit is because of the minor league season that it's going to be because right. from the sounds of it, the minor leaguers at last check, I mean, these, these things are, are constantly open to being changed, but they're not going to start minor league spring training until April. And then the minor league season may not start till May. So what does that mean for Kopech? Does Kopech stay back in Glendale and they're working them up for a minor league season that starts in, you know, June or, or yeah, May, middle of May. And he joins the White Sox in say July or something like that. Or does he break camp with the White Sox? And he, I, I, it's, there's a, there's a, I don't know how they're going to do it. It's yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not that normal year where you, you send him down and he's back up at the beginning of May. Right. Ready to go. The, the beginning of May this year, it's not even. That makes sense. Right. A month, you know, an, a month of, you know, April in spring training in, uh, in triple a makes sense. Bring him up in May and there we go. Right. But that's not the situation. And so I, I, I don't know what the plan is and I don't know what they're going to do. It's just, there's so many, there's so many different little intricacies this season. I mean, obviously last year, just, I don't, I don't want to say throw out last year, but like last year was just so different. Like there's, there's things you take away and there's things you're just like, well, you know, whatever. 
You know what? I, now that I'm thinking about it a little more, I don't think it would be a bad idea considering he has not really pitched in three years to do spring training. You build him up a little bit. He does intra-squad games with minor leaguers in April in Glendale. Mm. He spends May, part of June in real games. And, you know, and at that point, you know, you're going to see what you have from Carlos Rodano and Otto Lopez if Lopez is going to be the fifth starter, I, I, I feel like they're going to give it, a, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I kind of feel like Rodon might end up being the fifth starter and then we'll see. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you get to June and here comes Kopech or maybe not. I don't know. It's, this is uh this is one that I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different paths for Kopech to take, but I think, as I'm talking about it with you, and I have not heard from the White Sox about this, that might be the way they do it because in the end, they do want to save his arm. Right. So uh, how do you slow play it? This might be the way to do it. I'm looking at the uh, Sox.com, their depth chart for their starting rotation. Obviously, Giolito, Keiko, Lynn. And they've got Cease, Lopez, and Rodon as their six. So you've got six, like, like I said, you've got six guys right there mm-hmm. that you don't have four guys. You don't have three guys where it's like, oh, well, you know, not that they would push Kopech, but, you know, there'd be more pressure, I guess, to get him up sooner. So I, I don't know. Then I also, I feel like Kopech is, is a different breed of human being and he's going to be in shape, but then there's also the difference between everyday shape and then pitching shape every five days. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be, and people are going to say that always, he's he's a, he works out all the time, but, but some people don't realize that, Pitching every five days is not the same thing as lifting no. weight and running. It's just it's just a right. different goal in the body. Yeah, and and they probably want to get him on some kind of track right. where he's is pitching every five days and see how his body's doing. And there's no pressure of like, okay, now please compete in this major league game right now. No, let's just get. They don't. You know the good. Here's the good thing. They don't. Here's the good thing. They don't need him on April first. Right. They don't need him maybe on May first. So. They'll see where they're what they're getting from Rodon. Uh, baseball seasons go; they have you know twists and turns all the time, so you never know where anything is really going to go. But I think having him in the minor leagues, as I'm now thinking about it, you know, if he comes up in June, if they need him, he's up in June. Right, and he's got at least you know half a season to to perform. Yeah. Um, a couple of the guys I want to talk to you about uh, real quick. A guy that last season was just. I don't know if you could have expected or, or when he was drafted in June, I don't know if you could have uh, seen it. I mean, you know that you knew the talent, but it was so rare to see, to see guys drafted and then produce that same year. Brandon Finnegan comes to mind right away for what he did with the Royals um, in, their, in their World Series, you know, when their little run. But Garrett Crochet, I mean, <laughs> the guy, the 101-102 from the left side, he doesn't have – I mean, the, the delivery is – is he's a huge guy, so he's 6'6", six, was so release points out in front even more than – he's almost a foot taller than Marcus Stroman. So, I mean, you just <laughs> you just think about a uh, little, little advantage he has. He looks ready to go. Uh, I know he was dinged up a little bit towards the end of the season. But what are your thoughts on Crochet? I know they said they want to start him out of the pin this year and then have him in the rotation next year. So, what, what are you kind of thinking for Crochet this year? Well, it was uh, after the Sox drafted him and I was interviewing him and I was talking to him about his situation, which was 
unprecedented. We hear that word a lot these days in that he only pitched, I think three games his senior year, and then there'd be no minor league season. So what would he be able to accomplish on the field after the White Sox drafted him? And he literally said, I see myself being ready to pitch the major leagues this year. So cool. So he said that I'm like, okay, he's one of these guys that says that (laughs) believes it, but realistically that's not going to happen. Oh no. This was one of those situations where not only did he say it, not only did he believe it, it actually happened. So he gets called up. Okay. And then on top of it happening where he gets called up and does pitch the major leagues, he dominated, dominated. So special player, special person, special arm for sure. And um, boy, that bullpen, that's going to be a good one. What, where, where are you thinking is this bullpen? Obviously you got Hendricks in the back. I mean, that was say what you want about Alex Coleman. Hendricks brings a different level to that bullpen. You can go two innings if you need to. I'm not sure if I wanted to trust Colme for that. Now, no, no offense to Colme, and sucks he went to the Twins because, you know, we're going to see him a lot. But Hendricks brings a different dimension to the back end of that bullpen. You saw Cody Hoyer did last year uh, coming out of no, well, not out of nowhere, but out of nowhere. You could say to, nowhere. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, for, for the for the White we Sox. Knew who he, we knew who he was, but, like, that's, that was what he did was pretty, that was pretty quick. That was awesome. Right? Matt yeah. Foster did well. Yeah. Um, another guy that, I don't know where, if you, you can throw that term out there again. Um, but then you've got Evan Marshall, you've got Jace Fry, you've got a bunch of these guys. And I mean, are we seeing Carlos in the, in the bullpen? Are we seeing Lopez? You know, we've got so many options. Where do you kind of rank this bullpen in terms of the, not just the AL Central, but the American League? And obviously we haven't, they haven't stepped on a field yet, but just on paper. On paper, it's the best bullpen, I think, in the American League. That's what I think. That's the answer. I think that's – I think that's – I don't even know who else would – off the top of my head. We saw what the Rays' bullpen did. You know, I mean, they're, they lost Josh Fleming, though. I mean, so they've lost – Well, the A's had a good bullpen, but now they lost Hendricks. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the teams that were up there, they've lost pieces. And Yeah. I, the I, difference for me, what re- honestly, what makes the White Sox bullpen so much better is literally just Garrett Crochet. Like, you, this bullpen with him and without him are two different bullpens to me. And you got a healthy Aaron Bummer now too. Yes, yes. Um, he's just he just changes the whole dynamic of what they can do. And I mean, it's say a starter goes six, they only have to really go five. I mean, you got a lot of options. And Cody Hoyer, I mean, he he could be a closer in the future. Yeah. Evan Marshall, I, I I really like his stuff. And also, what I like about this bullpen is that all the the different arm angles and uh, it's really going to keep these hitters off balance, all this different stuff coming at them from different angles and different ways. So I like how it all works together. And Matt Foster, that was a big surprise what he was able to do too. So there's not a really, there's really not a weak link in there really. I mean, Jace Fry's had his struggles, um, but you know, Jace Fry doesn't need to be the setup guy. <laughs> so I, I really, and if they throw Renato Lopez out there, I'm curious to see what he can do. It's not, okay, give me six, give me five, just give me an inning. Right. Well, Lopez, give me an inning, focus on these three or four batters. And I'm curious to see what he can become as a reliever. If that's what happens. Uh, last, last guy I want to talk about real quick is the uh, newest member to the organization. Well, I don't know, newest timeline wise, whatever, but Cespedes, Yoki Cespedes. Um, in my book, 
with, I mean, we saw Luis Gonzalez get some time last year uh, towards the end of the season in the outfield with the White Sox, a good friend of mine. Um, uh, we, you know, with Mike Rodolfo, who I thought, you know, seeing him three years ago, he's got some of the best tools, but man, he just has to stay healthy. Uh, Blake Rutherford, who I'm going to talk to here in a little bit, he just, he needs to put it together. You, you got a lot of these guys that are kind of all in the same group for the White Sox outfield prospects after Luis Robert. And then now Cespedes, I think Cespedes jumps uh, to that front of that line right away. Yeah, I think the reason why Cespedes is with the White Sox is that the outfield prospects that you just named, for whatever reason, and there are different reasons, have not reached their potential yet. And they need something to fill the gap. And maybe Cespedes is the answer. Um, prospects are very difficult to predict what's going to happen with all of them how they're all going to evolve as players and what they'll be able to do. You know, three years ago, I'm looking at Michael Rodolfo. I'm like, oh, he's ticketed for the major leagues. This guy could be a beast. Hasn't happened. You know, Blake Rutherford, he's got great tools, great makeup. You're going to talk to him and, you know, he just hasn't been able to put all together. And then, and then on top of these guys didn't have a season last year. I mean, like, come on, I feel bad for them. So um, I think the Sox are trying to insulate themselves with more outfielders in their system because of the unknown of, you know, what if we need some, they're all, you're always going to need guys from AAA, always everywhere. So at some point, you know, you might see Luis Gonzalez come up or, or maybe Mike Rodolfo. Um, and if it's not those two guys, they needed someone else in the mix. And it looks like that's going to be Cespedes. Um, I might've said last question two, if you get time for two more real quick, two more, that's all fine. Right. Um, obviously they got Yasmani Grandal. They lost James McCann, who consummate teammate, all around great guy. And the Sox, in my, I mean, they would not have gotten where they were last year without James McCann. That's, mm-hmm. you could say that hundred uh, percent, but he's gone. So you've got Zach Collins, you've got your Mercedes, whatever, whatever. But then they signed Jonathan Lucroy to a minor league deal. Does that say more about what they think about Sebi and Yerman, or does it say more about what they think of Zach Collins? You know what? Um, I think it. What it says to me is that they want to win. Mm-hmm. The margin of error is small. They they need a win to win, and you can't just mess around with the backup catcher because it's not a backup first baseman who's going to play five or six games. It's a guy who's going to play about 20, 30 games. Right. That's a that's big, and that affects your pitchers. So. If that's the case, what are they going to get out of Zach Collins, Yerman Mercedes, and Sebi Savala, the full picture as a catcher and as a hitter? The, uh, the White Sox, in my view, don't fully have that answer right now. No one does. I don't think any of the players do either. Once again, they had a season last year. Been so much, so much. Different. Exactly. So going back to the word I used before, insulate. I think they they're like, okay, there is a possibility that. Mercedes, Collins, and Sebi come opening day just aren't ready yet or can't feel, can't be that guy for whatever reason. So let's bring in a veteran who's done this before and who has a chance. I mean, you know, when we talk about a guy who's 34 and has upside, I think he might have that because from the sounds of it, I was read uh, James Fegan's article in the 
athletic. He was having some injury issues and he's now finally healthy. And uh, so, you know, I think let's see what he looks like in spring training, but we have a competition in the spring training for the backup catcher position and um, we'll see who wins it. Last thing, let's go. It's February 10th. It's snowy, crappy outside. Negative 40 <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Are the White Sox going to win the AL Central this year? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, where am I going with that one? Um, <laughs> would I be surprised if they won? No. Would I be surprised if they didn't do you, win? Do you think, I guess, that they're ready and do you think they have the pieces? You know, obviously oh, okay. So there's, there's, I can answer that one. Yeah. They are ready. They are ready to win the division. They have the talent right. and the potential and the ability to win the American League Central, period. That is for certain. Getting into the prediction game of they're going to win it. I mean, it's it's baseball. I'm never – I I can't say that. Um, It's going to be a fun year. This going to be a great rivalry with the Twins. You know, um, like I was talking with Tim Anderson uh, on a podcast that's going to come out tomorrow – where he basically says, on paper, we have the best team in the division. Like, that's what he says. But also, he talks a little more definitively than I do. <laughs> um, and he, I think he also says it to pump himself up. This is going to be a, a, this is a really good team. And, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm looking back at last year, and they made the playoffs. They struggled big time down the stretch with, you know, Yoan Moncada wasn't 100%. He had a bad year, bad year. Right. I think Luis Roberts going to get better. I think they, they, I mean, they've added Lance Lynn. So now they have like three stud pitchers, one, two, three. Um, I think Dylan Cease is going to be better. And, uh, you know, they got one home run and a slugging percentage under three from their right fielder. I'd like to think that Adam Beaton's going to be better. So, you know, you put all, you, and they added a Hall of Fame manager and they got a great pitching coach. I, I like where this is trending. Are they going to win the division? I'm not going to say that because I don't know, but I, I think they've got a, the best chance by far to win the division since 2008. I, I would have to agree. And a team uh, to kind of keep your eye on, I know fans are going to be like, what is this person talking about? The Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. I think that's the team. That's the team over the next couple of years, the next few years. It's going to be the White Sox and the Royals that are going to be competing for the AL Central. That, that's kind of what I think. You kind of look at the young arms they have, and obviously young arms, who knows if they're going to pan out. They've, they're stockpiled. And, you know, they made some couple moves this year. They brought in Hans Alberto. They took Carl Santana away from the Indians. Hunter Dozier's pretty darn good. Solaire's down there. Whit Merrifield, I guess they're going to keep him for <laughs> – they're just going to keep him, no trading him. So I I think the Royals are going to be a team to, to watch. Maybe not right away this year, but, you know, in the coming years. But – I think the White Sox, is, as you said, as Tim said on paper, they're the team to beat in the American League Central. Yeah, and I said this about a month ago, and people thought I was crazy. I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Royals finished with a better record than the Indians. Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think they're in now. It, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. But I just like you look at that Royals lineup. Like, okay, that's not a rebuilding lineup. That's a real lineup, yes. and they've got some good arms, like you said. You know, they could, their best case scenario is they finished 500. I think that is in the cards with the Indians. I mean, <laughs> they, don't know Carlos Santana, they don't have Francisco Lindor. They've just given away, given up so much. Right. You know, at some point the bottom is going to fall out. I mean, they've got still have some good pitching, but they've given up a lot. 
and you know, I, I'm not in the organization, but they always seem to find these pitchers. They come up and they're just ready and they, they just go. And if that's the case, they can be around 500 or maybe a little more too. But if that doesn't happen, I see them falling big time. I didn't even, you know, with the Royals, didn't even mention Alberto Mondesi, <laughs> a guy who's... And he had a bad year. Yeah, but I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. And then obviously they've got Bobby Witt Jr. coming up. I mean, they've, they've got... They've got, got Salvador lot... Perez, who had a great year offensively, actually. Yeah, a guy who came back after injury and then, you know, what, what he did in the World Series for them. And then came... yeah, they've got... They're going to be a lot better than, than, than people think. All right, Chuck, I uh, really appreciate it. I know you're uh, going to head out to spring training here next week so have a good time um enjoy the weather coming back from california can't really see too far out here it's not not great but uh we switched places so enjoy your time out there really appreciate it today man thank you hey thanks for having me on anytime always great talking white Sox with you